It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi everyone, my name is Jay Catch, host of the Locked On BYU Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your BYU insider covering all things BYU Cougars. Of course, we bring the Cougars to you each and every day because the motto here on the Podcast Network is your team every day. My day job, I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, covering BYU as well as being a radio producer at the station. And I cover BYU. I've been covering them for nearly a decade. So thank you for downloading the podcast. It's a pleasure to bring this to you each and every day. Love covering the Cougars, and it just adds to a fun a fun part of my career. Let's put it that way. That's That's the fun part about it. So like I said to new and old listeners alike, welcome on in. If you are brand new to the podcast, welcome. We're doing BYU news each and every day. The idea is to get you all the BYU information you need to know before you get home on your commute, your train ride, your bus ride, working out, whatever you you do when you listen to this podcast, the idea is to get you all the BYU news you need to know. Of course, BYU opened the season with a 28-23 win over Arizona. Big time win. It gets the program off to a, a good first step this season because I think a lot of people, let's be honest, in the, heart, in the heart of hearts, and if you heard my podcast last Friday, we expected a BYU loss. I had predicted Arizona would, would win this game 27-21. to Well, I should have flipped that. I should have gone BYU 27, Arizona 21. I would have done quite well in a pick'em pool with that score. But such such as it is, congratulations to the Cougars. A big win to start the season. Now they have to follow it up with a home game, their home opener against Cal this Saturday. So that's what we're going to be discussing. It's kind of mixing those two topics today. Looking a little bit bit back at the Arizona game, but also looking ahead to Cal this weekend. I was down in Provo earlier today for Kalani Sitake's weekly press conference. Got some of his, his thoughts. We'll be playing that in the second segment for you, some of the thoughts he had about the Arizona game and looking ahead to Cal. In this first segment, it's going to be more of a look back at the game from Saturday night. Have some comments from some, from some coaches and players Players, I want you guys to hear in the post game, in the aftermath with the post game interviews. So we'll get to that. And then the third segment, of course, will be quick hits and some of the other news that we haven't hit on today. So that's the layout of the show for you if you're looking to kind of track how things are going to go. So let's dive into it here. I had a chance to go back and rewatch the BYU game yesterday, uh, Sunday, after I went to bed at 2 a.m. after doing that special edition on Saturday night in the immediate aftermath. I'm happy to report that Butch Pau was healthy and it looked like he was on the field for most of the game. He just didn't have any statistics and seemed to disappear as part of the game plan. But such as it is, I'm glad he's healthy. So let's start off here. A couple of the notes I took away after watching rewatching the game is I actually think that the new tight end group is going to be a major, major weapon for BYU. 
We saw five tight ends playing the game on Saturday night. Three of them primarily pass-catching tight ends. That would be Matt Bushman, Moroni Laulu Pututau, and then the freshman out of out of Lehigh, whose name escapes me all of a sudden, uh, Dallin Holker. Now I got it. Pardon me on that. So those three are kind of the pass catchers, but you still saw a lot of Laulu Pututau and Bushman in the blocking game. They have worked on that. I thought Bushman showed a much improved uh, blocking ability as a tight end. The other two tight ends that played in this game were converted offensive linemen, JJ and Wigway. He's been playing tight end for well over a year now, so he's more adept at the at the position. And then also Addison Pulsifer, who was out there for the first time as a tight end. And I actually wanted to give major, major props to both Pulsifer and JJ and Wigway. Uh, on the touchdown runs at the goal line for Squally Canada, they would line up, it was a three tight end set. So you'd have JJ and Wigway, you'd have Addison Pulsifer on one side of the line, and whether that was on the left side or the right side next to Brady Christensen if it was on the left side or next to Austin Hoyt on the right side, those two tight ends absolutely pummeled the edge rushers for Arizona on those goal line plays. The touchdown glory goes to the running back. We all get that. Squally Canada punching it in, celebrating in the end zone. Ends up with 98 yards and three touchdowns on the night. But I wanted to give some major props to Addison Pulsifer and J.J. and Wigway. They were getting... Uh, two for one blocks and what I mean by that a two for one block is when one offensive guy so one offensive player blocks two players enough to open a hole or he takes care of two players which gives the offense a schematic advantage because you take out two men with one guy you automatically win I would call them two for three blocks I saw Pulsifer in, in Wigway washing down the Arizona defensive line and linebackers getting three guys between the two of them and that opened the hole and Squally Canada just squirted into the end zone and was celebrating in the end zone. But I wanted to give some props to JJ and Wigway and our good friend Addison Pulsifer. I think that they both deserved that after the, after that showing. Uh, some other notes from the game on Saturday night included, I thought that Tanner Mangum was actually quite good. He missed on two deep throws. The one to Talon Shumway was probably a half yard too long, and the one to, uh, the, also the other deep pass to Aleva Hifo was probably two or three yards long. The nice part is you want to see him overthrow those. Underthrowing it was the issue that a lot of people had last year. It was good to see him overthrow those passes. He still had his other issues with some short short passes that were just offline, didn't look great. But I did like when he uncorked on the deep ball, it was it was a catchable ball. I'm not saying catchable is probably a stretch, but it was overthrown. So he can dial that back. It's not like they need him to put more RPMs into his arm to make those throws. Now he needs just to dial it back a little bit. And that's the good sign for Tanner Mangum, I thought, after watching the film. Because I wondered what those would look like after I watched. I also wanted to give um, props to Kevin Sumlin. You're like, why would you give props to Kevin Sumlin? Well, here you go. This is part of Kevin Sumlin's postgame comments. This comes courtesy of Arizona Athletics, his postgame comments. And he gives major credit to BYU for taking the game by the throat in the third quarter and turning the tide of the game entirely. So here you go. Arizona head coach Kevin Sumlin. It did shift. You know, it got into a game where they were able to control the line of scrimmage, basically. We couldn't get off the field. And then when we did force them into third down situations, they made plays to make the first down. Plays that they didn't. We were able to defend in the first half. 
give them credit because they control the line of scrimmage offensively, and then we, we couldn't stay on the field to help our defense in the third quarter. It's both sides, which wasn't the case in the first half. There you go. Kevin Sumlin, courtesy of Arizona Athletics. There you go. He gave the credit to BYU. He was gracious in defeat. That's all you want from a head coach. I think Kevin Sumlin is one of the good guys out there in the coaching business, and I, I appreciated his comments there. Now, one other comment I wanted to play before we take a break here was a comment from BYU offensive lineman. He's now a guard, Thomas Schof, part of that dominant, dominant offensive line performance on Saturday night. He had some comments in the post game which were very revealing and also showed how big this win was for the program. So here's Thomas Schof talking about what the win did for BYU's football team. Relief. I think it's a big relief. I think this was a much-needed win. Morale boost. You know, I think Coach Grimes and Coach Pugh and the rest of the offensive staff that came in this past winter brought a lot of energy and a lot of focus and a lot of positive reinforcement to the guys. But I think there's something that you just had to be out on the field and execute to be able to get back in. There you go, Thomas Schoff, BYU offensive lineman. Relief. These guys have a renewed sense of belief in themselves. I think that win did incredible things for this team. Their 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 motivation factor, just their general self-belief is going to go up as a result of this. I thought that was a great comment from Thomas Schoff. Uh, thanks to Patrick Kinahan, who works with me at the Zone Sports Network, who was on site at the game for that audio but I really enjoyed that cut, and I think that shows how much this win meant for BYU. A um, couple of other quick notes before we wrap things up here. Brackenell Bakri is a legit weapon in BYU's offense. Um, he had a couple of catches out of the backfield. His second one, whoever number eight from Arizona was, was absolutely terrified to be facing Brackenell Bakri after what he did earlier in the game bucking a guy upfield for another four or five yards. So hats off to Bracken Elbakri. He's going to be a major weapon and a major factor for this BYU offense. And then also, hats off to James Empey. I watched that film. James Empey, number 99 from Arizona. He he came up lame late in the game, had to leave the, leave the field. It looked like he was cramping a little bit. But I saw time and time and time again. Empey, along with Thomas Schoaf and Tristan Hawes, just absolutely punished the Arizona interior of their defensive line. And you could tell it was they were, they were waving the white flag. I noticed that about the 648 mark of the third quarter was when that white flag was waved, so to say, and BYU took over. So hats off to the BYU offensive line and a major credit to James Empey because he absolutely punished the interior of that Arizona offensive line. And he's only a redshirt freshman, people. That's great news for BYU. Might have a might go eight years if he stays healthy with just two centers manning the center spot for BYU. That would be incredible. All right. That's the first segment there. Some comments from Kevin Sumlin. So thanks to Arizona Athletics. Also comment from Thomas Schof. Thanks to Patrick Kinahan for gathering that, allowing me to use it here on the podcast. And wanted to give some final thoughts after watching the film on that. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Always feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what your thoughts were. I worked some of those in on Saturday night in the immediate aftermath of the game. But you can always reach out at LockedOnBYU. You also can reach out to me at Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. Just a quick note before we take a 
a break here. It's crunch time for fantasy football, and the Locked On Podcast Network is delivering for you. Locked On Podcast Network has a brand new fantasy football show called Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7. Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 gives you the latest trends, hot roster moves, and where to get the advantage. Plus, Ethan Turner, the injury expert, gives you the edge when it comes to working the waiver wire. Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 is here to help you win your league. I can tell you it helped me out last night with my fantasy draft. Here's hoping it'll continue to help me throughout the season. We'll take a break here. We'll come back, get to some of the comments from Kalani Satake today at his weekly press conference. That's all coming up right here on Locked on BYU. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Guys, working in the sports media industry and working with this podcast, I have people ask me a lot for advice. Normally, it's which team to bet on this week, but the truth is, I don't really know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you should check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. The guys at my bookie have been in business for years, they have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. You can lay down some cash and win big today. They have live in-game betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, they even have the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game that you can bet on. There's so much fun you can do with sports betting. I know it's becoming more and more popular in today's day and age, and MyBookie is right there on the forefront for you. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Use promo code ONCOLLEGE to activate this offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code ONCOLLEGE when creating your account to claim that bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. That's my my bookie. You are locked on BYU, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to Locked On BYU. I'm Jay Catch, your host right here on the podcast. Of course, we're covering the BYU Cougars each and every day. So thank you to each and every one of you who have downloaded the podcast, shared it with your friends, given us a rating and review. All of it helps, and I would encourage you to do that with everyone you meet who may be a BYU fan or otherwise interested in the podcast. A lot of friends that have reached out about the podcast expressing that they've enjoyed it so far. And I want to thank each and every one of you who have reached out and those who haven't reached out for your continued support of the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to bring it to you. All right, I was down in Provo earlier today for BYU's weekly media availability with Kalani Sitake. Of course, he holds his weekly press conferences on Monday afternoons in Provo there at the Student Athlete Building. And Labor Day is no exception. Labor Day doesn't exist when you play in the college sports scene when it comes to football. It's just another day. They're back at it. Kalani had some very good comments today, so I wanted to get to some of those. Uh, First things first, he talked a little bit. When we were asking him earlier today, 
we asked him, okay, is there any uh, advantage to getting a win to start the season? And Kalani, he deflected it. He's been very... He's been very good about being measured in his comments, not to, I guess, denigrate his team, but also not to completely butter them up. And he had a good comment here that I really enjoyed, and it was late in his podcast, but I wanted to start off with it because he talks about the fact that it's probably harder to move improve. It's probably harder to improve to two and zero on the season after you're you've got, you've been able to play the first game than it is to win the first game of the season. So here's his comment on that earlier today in Provo. A lot of things happened in that first game. It's going to be harder. It was hard to go 1-0. It's going to be hard to go 2-0. and We expect that, and so we're going to have to put forth the work. They know a lot about what we do on offense now when there's a lot of questions. We know what they do, and so now we move on to the next phase, and that means now that we're 1-0, it's going to be hard for both teams to go 2-0, and so we're going to enjoy it and relish the hard work that's about to come to us this week. There you go, Kalani Satake. Of course, yeah, like he said, when you're on film, coaches are going to start breaking you down. The... BYU advantage they had against Arizona. I'm not sure they held a ton in reserve. Maybe they did. Maybe they're going to come out and run the flex bone option. I highly doubt that. Don't quote me on that. But you can. He knows that once you're on film and Cal is on film as well now, and it'll be interesting to see who who is able to adv- is able to get their team ready to the point where they can take advantage of whatever shows up on that film. Uh, Kalani was also asked about Squally Canada's performance, what it meant to the team. So here's what he had to say about Squally Canada in the aftermath of the Arizona win and after he also had a chance to evaluate the film further. He's a senior, and, and he's you know he, he got to learn from Jamal for a couple of years. So I think Squally's in, in a position now where he's really doing a good job of leading the position group. You see the things that he does setting up with Lopini and everything. But I've been really impressed with Squally, the little things of the pass protection, the pickup, blitz pickup that he had. He had opportunities to pick up on blitzes and then pass pro and did a great job at it. So he's doing a great job. He caught a couple balls. He's doing a good job right now, and we'll just continue on that. But with Squally, we knew he could do this last year, and, and he's worked hard this year and they are offense really trusting there you go Kalani Satake on Squally Canada I really thought that Squally Canada did his best Jamal Williams impression for BYU on Saturday night I thought he looked stellar I thought he looked like a guy that could really be a big help to BYU this season and if he can continue to carry that load for the running backs and Lopini Katoa alongside him I thought was a great counter to um to what Squally brought to the field. I think Lopini Katoa is going to be a great back down the road in his own right. He's still very young as a redshirt freshman, but they're going to ride Squally Canada as far as he possibly can lead them, and as they should, because if he can do what he did against Arizona and that offensive line can continue to open holes for him, of course the competition is going to get stouter. Cal, Wisconsin, Washington have much better defensive fronts than Arizona did. But it was a good start, and hopefully Squally can continue to lead this lead this group. You can tell uh, Kalani really enjoys what Squally has brought to the running back room, and it sounds like he's having a similar impact of what Jamal Williams did to the running back room when Squally was a youngster at BYU, and Squally's kind of turning around and passing that on, and that's a good thing to see. Uh, Kalani also was asked about the defensive backs for BYU. The cornerback group was very, very young against Arizona. D'Angelo Mandel, Keenan Ellis, two, uh, I believe, either, well, uh, 
D'Angelo Mandel is probably a redshirt freshman at this point. Keenan Ellis might be a true freshman. If not, he's a redshirt freshman. Both young guys. Chris Wilcox was a junior, and then Michael Shelton was a senior. But the defensive backs, in terms of the cornerbacks in particular, were very green. But Kalani Satake today said he was quite pleased with, with what they brought to the field. So here's his thoughts on the corners. They're in good position. It wasn't blown coverages. They just need to execute technique better, have their eyes in the right spot, and I think they'll be fine. We brought these corners and these DBs in to, to cover, and when the time comes for them to possibly pressure and get sacks, but also to make tackles in the run game. So we'll probably see a lot, a lot more of that, and that's okay. I, I'd like to see these guys come down with more picks and more opportunities to make big plays. So that's why we brought these corners in. I was pleased with the young guys that got in. Had a lot of young players contribute in this win, and that's a, that's good for us and I think we're going to keep adding more of the young guys as we go. You can tell Kalani's got a lot of faith in these cornerbacks. He thinks that they'll grow up into players that can really help BYU down the road and every BYU fan should have hope for that. I know that there was some talk about BYU being weird in recruiting when it came to these guys. Ed Lamb is a big believer in guys who can run sub 11 flat 100 meter dashes or 100 yard dashes so under 11 seconds which is, of course, you're, if you do that, you're going to be on. You're going to be a sprinter. But they want guys who can run. When Bronco Mendenhall was here at BYU, there was all kinds of talk. Will BYU ever get corners that can run one on one with a guy? Well, I think they're answering that question, and the question is yes. We saw Arizona try and test BYU deep time after time in that game, and they hit on a couple of them. They also got those pass interference calls. There were three of them in the game, but. I thought for the most part, BYU's corners for as green as some of them were, particularly D'Angelo Mandel and Keenan Ellis, I thought they held up pretty well. Chris Wilcox is coming along. I thought he really redeemed himself with that late pass breakup on Quincy Pondexter. I think Michael Shelton is proving that he was underutilized earlier in his career and is now hoping to have a good senior year. So I think that they're doing a good job and hopefully... BYU is right on in terms of what they've been recruiting and guys like D'Angelo Mandel and Keenan Ellis end up being the stars potentially that BYU sees them being. There's still a ways to go. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Arizona had the best wide receiving core that BYU is going to face. Not by a long shot. I think that probably belongs to to Washington coming up on the schedule. Wisconsin has some good players. Of course, Cal does as well. So they're going to get tested plenty more, and we'll see how they hold up. All right, finally, before I take a timeout, I wanted to get one other comment here. Jay Drew had a fantastic question that I it didn't even register in my mind, but I thought it was a great question. He asked about the fact, well, he asked if this home opener against Cal could be a chance for BYU to reassert their home field dominance that they have enjoyed for quite a while. Of course, last year with the 4-9 schedule, yeah, Lavelle Edwards Stadium was not the friendly confines that a lot of BYU fans and players have known it to be. But here's Kalani Satake's response to that question from Jay Drew. Oh, it's another game. I don't really care about last season. We care about this week, right now, the work that we're going to get done. None of that last year factored into the preparation from January to now. We're going to get ready. We, we won the game. We're happy. But now we're, get, we're right back to work. This is good holiday for everybody else, but not for us. We're right back to work. Our players are ready to work. They're ready to work out today and have a good practice. And All we can focus on is, is trying to get this one, and it starts with the preparation today. And I think that will give us our confidence going into Saturday. Taking it one game at a time, Kalani just wants to win games. 
I like that mentality. We entered this season, if you heard me in kind of in the preseason run up to the Arizona game, I talked about the fact that BYU is gunning for six wins. Now, I didn't I didn't, in my opinion, when I kind of did the math for BYU to get to six wins, I counted on BYU winning one of these first two games. Now, let's get greedy. They already won the game. They already did that. So beat Cal, get to 2-0. I think you'd have a lot of BYU fans suddenly really back on board. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they are going to beat Cal. We'll talk about that later in the week. We'll we'll get some thoughts on the Cal Bears because I think they're plenty talented. They're a P5 program and cannot be overlooked. But I do think we BYU fans deserve to be a little greedy here and hope that BYU can go 2-0 on Saturday night and head into that Wisconsin game in Week 3 with some optimism. I still think BYU loses to Wisconsin and to Washington. If they go out and shock the world, great. But if you're 2-0 going into those that three-week slate where you've got at Wisconsin, home to McNeese State, and then at Washington, okay, I think most BYU fans would be okay coming out of the month of September 3-2 and two, if you count on a win from McNeese State. But we'll see. So there you go. Some of the thoughts from Kalani Satake. We'll get to more of them throughout the rest of the week, but I wanted to get you some of the initial thoughts from him earlier today. All right, we'll take a timeout here. We'll come back with the final segment of the show. Quick hits with some of the other news that we didn't hit on earlier in the show. But real quick, the Locked On Network is expanding with college shows. Coming this week are Locked On Wolverines for Michigan, Locked On Buckeyes for Ohio State, and Locked On Seminoles for Florida State. Plus, we already have Locked On the Ducks, Nittany Lions, Bears, the Crimson Tide, the Wildcats, Razorbacks, Volunteers, and of course, right here with the BYU Cougars. Find your favorite college show on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher or spotify we'll be back on the other side with quick kits this is locked on byu all state wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere especially during march your eyes are on the road but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket their sudden braking puts you in a 16 car pileup that's anything but sweet and if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket so switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. The wait's nearly over, everybody. Thursday night, NFL football is back, and of course that means it's fantasy football season. And FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. Don't believe us? How's this sound? This season, FanDuel is running a free $250,000 Survivor Contest. This is the biggest free Survivor Contest ever. Here's how it works. You pick one team to win each week, and you you can't reuse that team again for the rest of the season. This contest locks before week one, which is this Thursday night, so make sure you get in before you get locked out. I love Fan and Duel. I've really enjoyed their daily fantasy leagues. I enjoy being able to play with new players and new teams each week. It makes for a lot of fun when it comes to fantasy sports, so I would encourage you to check it out. It should be a lot of fun to play on FanDuel this season. To get in on that free $250,000 Survivor Contest, you need to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash the promo code, which is locked on. Plus, new users will get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. Come play with me at FanDuel.com slash locked on.
Locked On BYU, your team every day. And we're back right here on Locked On BYU. I'm Jay Catch, your BYU insider here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Once again, thank you for each and every one of you who have downloaded the podcast, shared it with your friends, put it out on social media, and I would really appreciate if you guys would continue to push this podcast, whether that be sharing with your friends via word of mouth, posting on your social media networks about the podcast, following us on social media at LockedOnBYU or my personal twi- Twitter feed at Jacob C. Hatch. Any, every, any, any and every little bit helps. So I appreciate each and every one of you who have supported the podcast so far and looking forward to doing bigger and better things as things roll forward. All right, as we wrap things up on the podcast today, of course, we're hitting some quick hits as we get out of here tonight. Uh, A couple of things for you. BYU football-wise, it appears that Wayne Tay Kirby is on his way back. He posted on Twitter Saturday night about the win for BYU football over Arizona and said he was very excited and congratulated his team and said he looked forward to rejoining the team on Monday, which is today. The good news is that he's planning on being back with BYU. If Kirby lives up to the potential he had coming out of Highland High School in Pocatello and also what he showed as a true freshman at the University of Oregon, he is a starting caliber defensive tackle. Will he live up to that hype? Who's to say? He, he's the one that has to decide if he's going to live up to the hype. But the good news is he's, is he's planning on rejoining BYU. Kalani Sitake also said today that Bo Tanner, the senior cornerback who missed the game against Arizona last week, should be back full go this week, which is also good news on the injury front. A couple other things before we wrap things up here. Wanted to congratulate the women's volleyball team at BYU, ranked number nine in the country. They followed a five-set thrilling win over number one ranked Stanford last Thursday, I believe, in their home. Uh, They hosted the BYU Nike Invitational over the weekend. They beat number one Stanford and then followed that up by sweeping Wichita State in the finale. They have absolutely dominated at home this season. Of course, started the season on the road at Duke. Looking like another great year for for the Cougars on on the hardwoods. I know that volleyball doesn't necessarily garner major headlines, but Heather Olmstead has done incredible work with this team, and it looks like it's another great year on the horizon. Then also the women's soccer team needs a major shout-out. They decided to put up a football score in their latest match. They welcomed Idaho State from Pocatello to Southfield and sent them packing with just only a 10-0 victory. Yeah, 10-0. Eight players for the Cougars scored in this match. Uh, The quote here, Jennifer Rockwood, head coach for BYU Women's Soccer, said, quote, we did a really good job. We came out and wanted to set the tone right away. Yeah, I think you set the tone. The Cougars are now 2-2-1 on the season. Maddie Sidaway-Gates, the lone senior on the team, got the scoring started in the sixth minute, and it just was domination from there on. So hats off to the women's soccer team. They have their big Deseret First dual rivalry game against the University of Utah this coming Friday. That's at 7 p.m. up there in Salt Lake. It's going to be available on Pac-12 Network, and you also can hear it on BYU Radio with Greg Rubel on the call. All right, that does it for today. Appreciate you guys downloading the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with some more thoughts from players 
uh, coaches, some interviews, etc. When it comes to BYU media availability, tomorrow is defense. So let me know if there are players you want to hear from. Hit me up on Twitter, at Jacob C. Hatch, or at our show Twitter feed, at LockedOnBYU. You also can email email the show at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the show, please email us at the same thing, at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Of course, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, It's coming to every podcatcher you can think of. So thanks as always for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great evening. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.